also teach a curriculum that I created called Concept Aware. And we will be having a B&H sponsored session on that if you want to learn more in October. So without further ado, Stacy, welcome. And as we said, I feel like I know you and I've had one conversation. <laughs> so that's really fun. Um, I want to let the audience know you're an Iranian American who explores culture and community in still and moving image. You live in New York City with your family and you teach at ICP and SVA. And your list of where you've been reviewed is a perfect example of all the background organizations supporting the visual culture conversation. So you can go to the Humble Arts Foundation and read about the book, um, Lloyd DeFoto, Collector Daily, the British Journal of Photography. So I'm so glad they really, all of the things that I looked at in addition to encountering the book myself, those other amplifiers helped me think about it even more. And what happens is we did in our introductory phone call, we could go on for a while and, um, and I don't want to, I wanna do our going on with everybody here. So I'm going to share the screen again, hopefully more easily and um, share some images from the book. So welcome Stacy. Thank can you, you all see this? Hopefully, can you see that? It is crossed. There we go. There we go. There we go? Yeah, that's good. Great. So hold on. What is? Oh, okay, got it. Never mind. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the PDF and see that there's two images on it. Um, what I wanted to say about the book, just to lead you into it, I, I call it a visual poem. And I think you're talking about the power of place. And I think you're asking us to consider othering, uh, where it comes from, how we do it, what it's like to experience it, uh, the reality of othering. Um, in some of the places that I researched and read about other people who have reviewed, here are some of the ways that we refer to your work. It's lyrical, haunting, poetic, revealing, and beautiful. And one other quick synopsis is it's an exploration of liminal space, of dislocation, of migration, and belonging. So I have a favorite description. I shared it on social media. It comes from John Feinstein and he wrote it in the Humble Arts Foundation blog. And it says that this book is an abstract allegory for suspended identity. Perfect. So I open the floor to you. Let us begin with whatever you'd like to tell us about how this came to be. Well, first, let me say thank you so much for having me and for that very generous introduction. I liked all the words you pulled out there. It's interesting to hear uh, how someone else, you know, interprets and reads and, and learns about the work. So thank you very much for that. And welcome to so many people, uh, so many people I've never met before. So that's really exciting as well. Um, I don't really know where to begin, I guess, to say that um, I moved to Australia in 2008, it was very unexpected and I wasn't, 
I really wasn't anticipating the emotional effects migration would have on me. And uh, um, I found that I could no longer understand the landscape. I had previous to that was making work very much about the American road trip and traveling through the States. And when I moved to Australia, I didn't, I did not anticipate how difficult it would be to see and to understand and also to speak the language, even though it was English was still was very different. Mm -hmm. um, and I started photographing through these emotions and through photographing my everyday came to find that um, I wanted to speak about place and uh, histories and belonging and borders and um, question this idea of the immigrant. What does it mean to be an immigrant? And so, yeah, that's kind of where this uh, project began and how I got, got here. Mm. I know I was um, reminded uh, in 2015, I believe, John Stanmeyer won the um, World Press photo, photo of the year. And it was for an image that is hauntingly beautiful. And I always ask people uh, in, in some of my teachings, what are we looking at? And it's actually uh, people on the edge of uh, the land and the sea holding their cell phones up, trying to make connection. And he, um, if you go on to the uh, World Press Photo website and look that up, there's actually a video of John talking about the work. And one of the things that I absolutely love is he brings up migration and he basically questions, we are all migrants. People have walked the earth the entire time. There has been an earth. And he just frames it so differently. So I, I know, I told you I wouldn't spring any questions like that are, are so challenging, but honestly, what I want to unpack is one that is challenging. How do we define, how do we define and how do we know belonging is what I'd like to unpack. And, and frankly, I had a hard time because I couldn't decide whether to ask that to ask to define belonging or do we need to define culture first? Like I just kept having culture reverberate through everything I was thinking of as I looked at your work and thought about it. So I know that I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but like, okay, <laughs> what is culture, right? Is that the root of belonging? I don't know. Those are great questions and things I think about all the time. And, um, you know, I was raised in a very specific culture um, my parents are immigrants. I grew up in an immigrant family. Very, I, I grew up knowing that I was Iranian. I was American. I was Jewish, which in and of itself, those are all very different things to be. Um, but it was very specific and I knew what it was. And uh, when I moved to Australia, all of a sudden I was none of those things any longer. I mean, I guess I was still a woman and I was still Jewish and I was still tied to America. I hardly spoke Farsi anymore because I didn't have anyone around me that was speaking Farsi. And yeah, I didn't know where I belonged. And I don't know if culture is so important. I like to think now, I, I go through uh, back and forth really on um, the beauty of our individual selves and our uh, where we come from. I think there's something really special and important that we need, you keep using the word amplify, that we need to amplify those things that make us individual, mm -hmm. but also to remember that there is beauty in being part of a collective. And so a lot of, 
a lot of the work that I'm doing is always kind of pushing and pulling between the individual and the collective. And so where do we belong? I don't know if it's important to, to dissect it in terms of culture, mm -hmm. but I do think it's important to be part of community and whatever that means, that means for each individual person. Um, and then, you know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, well, it's funny because honestly, you know, what I do when I read and and encounter the photo books I do and then absorb them and then look at what has also been written possibly on it or whatever, um, I'm filtering through, through so many thoughts in my own attempt to understand the visual narrative and, and basically um, be in your process too. I'm trying to hear what it is that you're trying to say visually. And so culture, because of all these conversations that I was dipping into or reading about, does like, interestingly, I, I guess I'm looking at culture as so defining of belonging for a lot of us. Um, I'm a second generation immigrant, and I did everything I could to not be involved in the country of origin that my grandparents were all from. It was because I was seeped in it in a way that I rebelled against some of that. So it's, it's I'm picking, as some people would say, the spaghetti off of the meatball, but I really am trying to understand it because it's like, okay, we keep saying this is talking about belonging. Well, then we need to define it. And then often we're coming up against this, you know, you know, you know, Farsi gave you a cultural heritage as well as frame, uh, as you mentioned, or other people do too, that what you cook in your home as a result of the cultures, um, how you decorate your home, um, all these layers to what we do potentially differently in different cultures makes us not belong. I, I have a very funny story of going to I was in Tokyo for Tokyo Photo and went to a restaurant that was very, very small in an alley. And I was so excited to just dive into this. And I got handed a scroll and I unrolled it and everything was Chinese character or Japanese character. And I didn't understand it, obviously. And the person took it and turned it upside down. I was holding it upside down. I would have had no idea that I was holding it upside down, <laughs> right? Like everybody in that little place laughed and fell off their stools because like here's I was with my husband two Americans like hello we didn't get it right so you can have such an alienating that actually brought us together right we were friends with everybody by the time we left but that was our experience of culture to culture right yeah mm -hmm. I, I love that idea that it brings people together because I think that with this work that's what I'm trying to get at that there is um there is nuance there is beauty, there are aspects to be celebrated when it comes to our individualities. But at the end of the day, like you mentioned, um, the other artist said, we are all migrants. We've all moved, we've all picked up home. We can all understand um, a feeling of being tied to place, um, mm -hmm. the importance of place, uh, and in term, not just in landscape, but also in those that surround us and in, in the people and language that surrounds us as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Let me see if I can go. Um, you ended up bringing in your own poem. So yeah. 
tell us how that unfolded. And also you can say anything about the images that come up in terms of where you took them, what sparked you to take particular ones. Um, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, I'll talk about the photograph, this one individually first. I'm, this mm -hmm. is one of the first images that I made um, and a friend took me to a part of Sydney that I had never been to before. And the reflection of the water and the, the uh, trees coming out of the water was just so, they look like veins and they look like they're holding on as well and try, holding on to the ground, but also trying to, to like reach out and bring tentacles out into the world as well. And so um, I went back to this location several times and I could not make another picture. This was the picture that, that worked. It happened to be the right light, uh, the right time of day. Um, and I don't do a lot of retouching, but this image changed quite a lot uh, through the years, which I think is a really interesting thing too, in terms thinking about how I think about the project about, um, and about our identities and how we are constantly changing and moving and we don't need to be fixed to something. The, this photograph, uh, when I first started printing it, was looked very different and towards the end, um, became what it is today. And I think it, 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 it finally found its home, but um, I am very much interested in the process of making pictures and in the, uh, the process of uh, how pictures come to be and how uh, we, the color, the density, where they're placed within a series and how we learn to read them based on all these different aspects. I digress mm -hmm. a little bit, but- That's um, okay, actually, that's not digressing at all, in fact, none of what we're going to do is linear and you're actually we will reverberate back to that again and again i mean as you described that deb did you want to add something yes i just wanted to ask you if you could put that into single view it looks like it's in double view sure let's see um and then back here. Sorry, I don't. Where is my full screen? All the way at the bottom. Nope, that's how it's done. So there we go. Um, the um, thing that uh, Stacy, when you were describing the image when you first got to that location, what I find really interesting is you said you responded to the veins uh, both reaching out and holding on. And yeah. so that's a perfect metaphor for what you said before, which is that you're pushing and pulling between the individual and the collective, right? The staying and the going. So did how, as you knew that you wanted to explore this liminal space, did you go out trying to photograph an emotion or did you go out and let the landscape talk to you? Uh, I think my process is somewhere uh, between those two. Mm. Um, I can't say I only work in one way. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I would say that often I work very much like a street photographer in a way mm -hmm. that I don't, I do a lot of research before. So that's not like a street photographer necessarily, but I very much respond to what I'm seeing in front of me, but with an idea in my mind at the same time. So I'm looking for specific um, 
moments to happen within when I'm photographing or looking mm -hmm. for specific types of places that speak to whatever it is that's on my mind. And I think that's true for, for all of my work. Um, it often starts with photographing to ask questions or answer questions or trying to understand something, uh, some kind of concept or um, uh, issue at in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say for this project in the beginning, I was photographing in a very different way. I was photographing in a very documentary way way that I had known previously and it mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't until I made um and I, I don't think you have any of those images in the slideshow but the color uh mm -hmm. the color field mm -hmm. and um those images in the book um I don't know if I should show one because I don't uh, um actually I don't remember if we have one in the slideshow either but I was going to bring up color because it's a very surprising choice um but go ahead if you want to hold up your book I, I yeah know. i'm gonna just find is, the... i have to look for where your copy is i'm just trying here we go so i don't know um so these color are color fields that happen throughout the book mm -hmm. this is this is my favorite one the green mm -hmm. one um and the that came from walking down the street and noticing the color of the flowers in Sydney on the streets are so different than than what I was used to back home. Uh, the flowers in Australia are like the flowers that we would see in an exotic florist, you know, uh, very expensive florist here in New York and there they were everywhere. So I started to take my camera and uh, put my lens directly on the petals and into the center of the flowers to see if I could get the essence of the color. <clears throat> and thinking about color as memory, as a, as um, as an instigator of memory or spark, can it can it spark memories? Uh, and so those were the first pictures. And when I made those, I realized, wait a minute, I can use my uh, way of walking through the world and um, moving through the world and photographing through the world, but push myself to use what I'm seeing in a more poetic way or to make photographs in a more poetic way that are not so specific to, you don't know what you're looking at. And mm. in a way that kind of brought me to this more lyrical, like you said earlier, uh, way of photographing. Well, what's interesting, actually, is you're making me think that you broke down borders that you had for your own <laughs> frame, right? Yeah, yes, quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely influenced by being in Australia and moving in terms of my practice. It changed the way that I thought about photography and about the individual photograph and about how photographs are made um, mm -hmm. quite deeply, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we have more to explore with visuals and with the poem, but before I move on, I just wanted to circle back to speak of the writing and how that became a part of the process. Yeah, so um, I did not want to have any text in the book. For me, the book is an art object in and of itself. It's very much the, it's a whole piece. It's not um, individual images. And so I couldn't think of a text that would make sense. I wanted you to pick it up and enter a world that was similar to a film, that there isn't any context. Um, I don't like watching the preview of movies before I watch a film. I don't, I don't want to, I didn't want any information, but I showed the book um, uh, to, to this woman 
Sunel, who uh, was really adamant that I needed to have text in the book. And I, I appreciated her feedback, uh, really, uh, I appreciated her feedback a lot. And so I thought about it and I thought about um, hiring a poet or commissioning, I should say, a poet to write a poem that uh, dealt with migration and the sensibility of being an immigrant the emotional effects of being an immigrant. And I researched and I researched and I couldn't find anyone that spoke to me or that I could um, connect with. And it was a very, it had to be very quick because the, the book was supposed to go to press March, 2020. So this conversation um, with Sunel happened probably in December. So I didn't have much time to figure it out. And I just one day said, you know what? I'm gonna sit down and write. And so I wrote the poem with an editor, um, but it did come from that conversation, someone, you know, pointing out to me that it did need to have some sort of context, even if it wasn't specific or uh, academic. Um, and yeah, and that's, that's where it came from. And so I sat down and wrote, and then I, I worked with Naomi Riddle, who, um, she runs uh, an online magazine that everyone should check out called Running Dog Art. It's out of Australia. And uh, they do a lot, a lot with poets and poetry. So she helped me in the editing of, of the poem. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely put that in our resource link. Um, what was the experience like for you of writing? Did it, was it frustrating or uh, no, uh, illuminating? It if it was it, how that, how'd that go for you? It came very naturally. And now I'm doing much more writing uh, with my work. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of was a good impetus or, um, you know, I really think that everything that you make, kind of like in life, the people that you meet bring you to the next part of your life. I mm -hmm. think in terms of my practice, whatever I've made previously informs the next. And so perhaps here uh, with the poem, I've now started making a lot more work in the forests and writing while I'm in the forest. And I don't know what that is yet, but mm -hmm. it definitely has informed this next um, place that I'm at with my work. Mm. I, I discuss a lot in working with people and in Concept Aware about being in conversation with your work. It's, it's a lot like Hansel and Gretel uh, in terms of following breadcrumbs, right? And sounds to me from what you described that you had a way of thinking about your work where you mentioned the research and you mentioned the images answering some questions or uncovering them, but it feels like this dislocation really allowed you to actually let go of the way that you had worked and find a whole other way of seeing. Um, I'm also curious because I know that you've been um, uh, discussing, well, one thing I, I, I wanted to bring up because we had talked a little bit about color and didn't finish it. And I don't remember where this came from, whether it was something you said or um, the idea that you're talking about color as being um, a spark for memory. And it makes me think of how smells obviously really yeah. spark, memory, but also um, that, that color is subjective. 
Yeah. And I loved thinking, like I wrote that down when color is subjective and it so is, but I don't think I've ever thought about that before. Oh yes. And definitely in photography, color is so subjective, you know, um, and that comes through in, in the whole project for me anyway. Um, yeah, when I was photographing the flower petals, I was very much thinking about my understanding of green mm-hmm. is very specific to me and to my mm-hmm. landscape that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and my understanding of orange is very specific to me, but we all have a sense, you know, orange is orange and red is red. And so we can think of it that, that kind of on the surface level, or we can start to think about it as a way that defines the way that we see or that ex- understands the way that we see, that, <laughs> that um, clarifies the way we see or, um, yeah, defines. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's like what you're saying, you want to illuminate the individuality. We don't see the same thing, you know? Um, I, I, you're making me think of when, um, remember when Christo did the gates in New York City? Yeah. And I was so excited. And then I was so angry at the orange. I'm like, this isn't the right orange. This is like a construction orange. Like I literally had a hard time with that orange. So it's weird, right? How That's brilliant. We, why, what we do with it. And I thought of another thing that has to do with land, which I think you're also really exploring. Um, I have a friend who lived on the North shore of Massachusetts, right backed up to a beach that was so gorgeous and never walked the beach. And I'm like, how can you not take this in? I am like a beach like addict. And um, she's like, yeah, it's there, but not my thing. And then she went and visited her family. She grew up in St. Louis and she came home and she gets to talk to me and she goes, guess what? Wheat fields, corn fields, prairies, those are my ocean. Oh, wow. How amazing. I love that. That's great. Poetic and true, right? What that does, what the ocean does and seascape for me, she has that, but it comes from a completely different experience. Wow. Not fun. Amazing. I love that. Yeah, when you're talking about that. One of the things I want to also bring up, because this really um, got me, and I feel like we could go <laughs> into this a lot, is your, you started by, and we started our talk today with your installation. You think in moving images, you were influenced. Who is the person, Sergi Einstein? Sergei Eisenstein. Sergei Einstein. So tell us about that because that's that whole unpack montage for us because I think you really are cracking a code here. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I actually have the book behind me somewhere. Um, film I, Sense I, and Film Form. I looked yeah, it up. We'll yeah, put a link to that right. too. That's yeah. right. Um, I studied filmmaking in college. I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Mm -hmm. um, I studied under David Bordwell and he really unpacked editing Mm -hmm. in in the film theory courses that I took with him. And Sergei Eisenstein was a Russian filmmaker and theorist. um, And he spoke a lot about montage and the power of editing, so the power of from one image to the next um, and how you can affect your audience based on editing and placing images together. And one of the main things that I remember, there's two main things that I remember 
uh, or that I think about often is the collision. He talked about montage as the collision of images. So A plus B doesn't equal C, but it, it's, a, it's like a jamming of, of A and B. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and also the other thing that he talks about in some of his writing is that when he looks at a work of art or listens to a piece of music, he can feel the energy and he wants his films in his editing to also give that same sense to the viewer. And so I use that a lot, both in the video pieces, um, but I, talk, I think about montage a little bit differently in the video than I do in the book, but constantly thinking about how you can build upon images to, to make up a story or to build the narrative um, mm -hmm. and how you can affect the viewer emotionally based on um, editing and sequencing of images. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So in the book, uh, color, we keep talking about color, is really important. It, it brings a thread and creates rhythm through the book. Um, mm -hmm. And patterns also, I, I think, were really important for that in, in terms of the kind of montage of images is like a buildup of patterns and a mm -hmm. collision of patterns. Mm -hmm. um, and then with the video work, it's, it's uh, the, the way I edited it is uh, it's both still stills and still video. And mm -hmm. the montage is that each image pulls out from the other. So it's a little bit different. I instead of colliding, I was trying to like drag them from one to the other. So how can we, um, how can I affect the viewer by making the transition really slow? and what happens when you pull out that transition. So works differently, but same, mm -hmm. I'm still asking the sort of similar questions. And uh, with the video work, I was really interested in portraiture and how as a photograph, a portrait photograph, how long does someone stay and look at it and understand it? And what are they thinking about with the person? But when we look at that on a screen, on moving image, how can I, um, force the viewer to stay longer and to think deeper and to make more connections? Can I do that with the screen and with moving image? So those were some of the questions. And I think in the book too, the way that I've placed the, uh, the portraits together, so they're, they're sequential, they're in, a, in the same section of each book. Um, there's always three portraits in a row. Mm -hmm. um, also thinking about how I can affect the viewer and and change or kind of um, uh, kind of help them to understand the story in a larger sense. Yeah, what's really interesting, and I keep going back, is um, your all of it is um, a combination of heightening senses right? Your viewer's senses, both sound, vision, memory, imagination, uh, the response to color. But what is interesting is I think your quest is to almost pull apart how we build perception, right? Because perception is, is what makes us feel like we belong or don't belong, right? right. So this idea of you know, I felt it in the installation and I felt it even holding the book, there is a, um, there's a visceral sense of building 
I wouldn't say anxiety or danger, but definitely discomfort, right? Like, and you want us to feel that and you do make us feel that, right? Which is, which is so interesting because it's all playing with perception. And what's really interesting is we are holding an art object and we are looking at something that is concrete, but we are hitting all these other things that are so much how we actually build our world that are all perception and they're all individual. So crazy, right? Oh, thank you so much for that. That's brilliant. That's that's like to know that I have created something that have, that worked in the way that I wanted it to. Like everything that you just described is what I was trying to play with and experiment with. And can I do this with a book? You um, did. And can you I so do did. this with a photograph? Actually, now you're bringing me back because the first time I looked at it, I'm like, wait a minute a plate, wait, an orange, then you do the color fields. And I was like, each one, you really, yeah, yeah, yep. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happens, it worked. And there was something I think, um, I didn't go deeply into Einstein, but I thought there was something else about like discordant sound. So that sound also came in in a way, um, I don't know if we'll have time to play the protest piece, but I will definitely put it in the, um, the resources. It's riveting the way you used yeah. sound. And my Thank sense you. is you were doing the exact same thing that you did with images, with sound in that, in both the, the thing, well, like when you get video, when your hands are on video, you are also thinking about sound jarring our perception by what you focus on even silence right yes wow and yeah thank ambient. you ambient <laughs> yeah yeah no i really got it and then um sorry i just dropped um, my uh, my paper that i i think with a pen in my hands <laughs> i can't I do, not have I do paper too. with me i always Got it. Got to hold on to those thoughts. So um, tell us, because I know a little bit about your portraiture and how these became, and I want to talk about them after you let people know how you, how you did this. Okay. Um, so I always was afraid. I think this is a really, um, I like to share this because mm-hmm. we don't necessarily always share our weaknesses, but I was always really afraid of portraiture. Um, And I did a project, my first book with Amy Stein, who is a wonderful photographer and friend. And we photographed in Australia together. And I learned how to do portraits by watching her and how she approached, um, how she approached portraiture in her work and how she approached people, sorry, when she would ask them how to photograph, you know, can I take your photograph and how she engaged with them. And I really learned so much from her in that. And so when I came to do The Moon Belongs to Everyone, I was like, okay, I'm going to make portraits and I'm going to try and understand it more. And and a question I always have is like, what's the importance of a portrait? What's the purpose of a portrait? What should the viewer get from the portrait? Do Do they really understand the person or do they understand the photographer? And then there's the conversation between that and, and the gaze of the, of the subject is really important there. And so I, I was thinking about all this stuff and how, uh, if I wanna talk about people that, that come from one place and end up somewhere else and their feeling of being in this in-between state or in this limbo state, 
um, how do I picture that? And so um, all the individuals in, in the project are all immigrants. Um, although at the time, I don't think we called ourselves immigrants. Like I feel like now since 2016, the term immigrant has changed so much. And I was very much aware of that. Um, I should say that I continued this project when I moved back to New York, although none of the portraits are people from New York, but I was photographing the landscape, um, asking these same questions about being an immigrant or being a migrant. Anyway, I digress there. But um, in Australia at the time, uh, when I, and I'm gonna digress a little bit again, because I wanna give this backstory that when I started this project, it was like the height of social media where like Instagram was really big and was just kind of taking off in a way, in a worldwide way. Um, when I first moved to Australia, there was very little in the way of information on the internet about different towns. Very, it was, we were not as connected. And uh, by the time in 2014, I started this project, um, we could now see what life was like in Iran on someone's social media page. We could see what the earth looked like in South America, South Africa based on someone else's personal Instagram page. And, and so all of a sudden I was in this, this feeling of joy and excitement that we could be kind of as one. I know I talk a lot about your individuality, but I also really believe that we're all, you know, um, it sounds so cheesy to say we're all human beings and we all cut from the same earth. And, um, and so I, I do think about that. Um, and so at the time when I first started this project, the idea of being an immigrant was something to celebrate. It wasn't something to be worried about or people that we think of as other. You mentioned othering earlier at the beginning of the conversation. Um, so Anyway, I digress there, but I photographed people that came from one place and ended up in Australia. None of them were refugees. That was really important to me that I was photographing people like me who chose to move, that weren't forced to move home. Um, and uh, I also, it was interesting, it was important to me that you couldn't tell where they came from, that there weren't any, like that they look like they could be from anywhere and everywhere. Um, and so, and the people were friends or friends of friends or people that other people connected me to. Um, and what I would do is I found this spot in Centennial Park, which is kind of like the central park of Sydney, where it was actually the horse track and the dirt was really black. And the sunlight at a certain particular time of day was unbelievable and I could I felt I could make it look like moonlight also so um and you could you know playing with this idea of day and night that's also another uh, aspect of the work so I would I would sit with the person and photograph them and have them talk to me and we would have conversations about home about belonging about community about feeling in limbo and oftentimes I would ask them to bring a song that reminded them of home or made them feel connected. And I would have them sing to me while I was photographing them. So mo a lot of the images came from that moment um, mm. of song. Mm. So. so interesting about all the mediums that you are hitting upon, right? In terms of film, in terms of music. 
and really, really blending them. Did we ever talk? I mean, we had one conversation. It was rather short, but did we ever hit on Jung, Carl Jung? No. Okay, so I have to bring that up because if I weren't doing this, I'd be a Jungian analyst. He's my guy. I really love how he sees. And so I think what was coming up or was potentially a result of what you were able to create in those relationships with the people that you chose to photograph is that you formed a community in a way that was one that did, was not defined by borders. Yes, 100%. We talked about that. We talked about feeling more connected to one another than mm -hmm. to people from home, wherever home was. Again, everybody came from a different, it was important to me that I kind of hit different parts of, of the globe. Mm -hmm. um, and that we understood each other in a way, our experience um, shaped us in such a way that we understood how we each walked the earth uh, and walk through our daily lives based mm. on our previous experience, our shared experiences, which Ooh, were wait, not okay. shared. Right, right. On your experiences, on your individual experiences that uh, resonated, there was a similarity, yeah, even I mean, though they the were each unique. Right. There's a shared experience of moving home, of mm -hmm. moving war moving and picking up and moving across the world moving mm -hmm. to a different country there is that shared experience mm -hmm. but we all obviously come from individual places and have different individual histories specific personal histories and uh, so i don't know if this was a quote that i read or something you might have said about a it it, it, it was visualizing a collective consciousness does yes. that sound like you're you i don't know whether that was something you came up with in a conversation with someone or whether you nailed that to say that's what i was visualizing i i have that has come up in interviews before so you might have picked it up from an interview or i may mm -hmm. have said it to you on the phone <laughs> i mm -hmm. don't remember mm -hmm. but yeah i would you know this whole book for me is like picturing emotion how do you how do we picture emotion how do we make uh make a work that affects people emotionally and also talks about people's emotions um, without being, you know, without text, without mm -hmm. being specific. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, yeah, in all the portraits for me together create sort of a collective consciousness of this feeling mm -hmm. of being in the in-between. And we all felt like we were a part of the same collective. Mm -hmm. um, to just yeah. bring it back to Jung, his theory is the collective unconscious, that we're moving as evolutionary people and that our awareness grows as we become more conscious and share that consciousness, um, that we move towards a more collective consciousness. So anyway, that's where I was coming from when I, you were, you were talking my Jungian language. Um, so I just want to talk I, a couple more questions and we'll open it up, but um, uh, how you use landscape to, to, to work, like um, how you chose the moon um, to be this kind of central, like, yes, we all see it. Um, we share it just like, you know, uh, sunrises and sunsets, even though they're at different times, we are in them together. So can, um, was that a conscious choice to say like, here's another relationship that we all are communal in? Yes. 
plus. Okay. Yes. Okay. And thinking about um, thinking about how I mean I, I feel like I'm gonna repeat myself, but yes, that we're all individuals. We all have an individual relationship to the sun, the moon, the ocean. You know, we can clouds. If I say you know orange, mm-hmm. you know eating an orange, the taste of an orange, we can all appreciate that. And um, it doesn't matter where you come from. You know what that you know what the moon looks like. You know. Mm-hmm. So yes, that's part of that. So, we so, are all one. Okay. Well, it's a conscious choice, though. As you were photographing, you were seeing like, oh, this idea of those shared objects reflects what it is that I'm trying to say. Yes. And so the fact that you chose the moon, is there anything else behind that? Like, as opposed to the sun, like, was there any other? No, the, the title, the moon belongs to everyone is from a Sam Cooke song um, Mm -hmm. that every, the best things in life are free. And the way that it came to me was in the middle of the night in a dream. And I was, my husband and I were watching Mad Men at the time. We were very late um, in watching Mad Men. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were watching Mad Men. And one of the last episodes, there is a scene with that song. And uh, the moon belongs to everyone, um, you know, played. And then it replayed in my head over and over again and in my sleep. The moon belongs to everyone. I jumped out of bed and I went, that's the title. And I wrote it down. And that's really how, how the moon happened. <laughs> okay, I knew there was something in there because it's like it was, <laughs> I did, I did. And that's so good. So Sam Cooke and Mad Men and Dreaming. Yeah. You need to capture <laughs> those things when you can, right? They come and yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Um, and just before we open up, um, you made a lot of, photographic decisions, uh, making pages full bleed, how you printed. Um, and so if you just want to make a nod to that, like uncoded yeah. paper, that would be, I know that a lot of people, I get off on this conceptual piece and I want to bring it back to you actually made objects and those are very important decisions. Once you have an image, how are you going to present it to layer yeah. the concept? Yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned it a little bit in the beginning that I wanted the book to exist like you enter a universe that mm-hmm. I've created. So you've entered the universe of the moon belongs to everyone. It is not specific to anywhere. It does, it does not, you cannot place it in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted you to enter the book and not get um, distracted by borders. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't mean that little, I don't mean that pun, but you know literally not be distracted by borders. I wanted Mm -hmm. one image to flow into the other so you could feel the sequence. You could Mm -hmm. feel the montage happening. Um, And I didn't want your eye to wander. I wanted to create something that you became um, enveloped by or that, you know, that enveloped your senses. So that's where the full bleed comes from. And also, when I first started making the landscape pictures, it was very uh, important to me not to have a horizon line um, that you, so that you wouldn't be able to see what was north, south, east, or west, that there would be no sort of defining um, elements to the image, that it would be, uh, the location would be undisclosed. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, all of that came from this sensibility of no longer feeling tied to landscape or tied to where we came from. And, you know, growing up, um, the land, I grew up in Long Island, but I grew up in a really woodsy area. And I was always on my bike by myself, smelling the trees, watching the light through the trees, watching the winds blow through the trees feeling myself go through even the area I grew up in now is much more built up than when I was growing up which is unfortunate but um that landscape even though my home was very different it was very Iranian the the furniture my parents had was like as if they brought Tehran into Long Island the smells of the Persian food always Persian music playing Persian radio. There was never, not very much American going on in my households growing up. Um, but outside, I was very American. That's also going to a whole other conversation. But um, the landscape, I was very much uh, in love with the trees that I grew up with. And, and I grew up in a peninsula. So there was water on all three sides of the town that I grew up in. So um, that very much grounded me. And when I moved to Australia, all of a sudden the light is bright orange yellow. The ocean is massive. The trees are really windy and curly and very different than what I was used to. They smell different. So I was really affected by that. And I'm really interested in that in my work, um, how landscape defines us and how, how we um, feel a sense of place. And um, yeah, so I'll, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I answered your question, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. And brought me back to how the landscape, when uh, my differential between my friend and I in the ocean, you know, what it, how it defines. Yeah. Right, right. Um, well, I'd love to um, open it up to, to questions and, and see if other people would like to, to ask about process or bookmaking. And I haven't looked at the chat, so I don't know if people have written any, but unmute and, and have a go. I have a question for you, Stacy, if you can hear me. Yeah, hi, Jason. Hi. Um, so oftentimes when we're photographing, we, we have to challenge our, our own conceptual way of viewing. Sometimes we get stuck in um, a certain modality or a certain frame of mind based on maybe what we've done before or the kind of work that we've seen that we are inspired by. And we just don't think of what goes beyond our borders. And I wonder if that kind of inner challenge was something that you were facing because in this book, I see that you're crossing many borders. Here we are talking about borders again. And you're doing all kinds of things in so many different realms. And I wonder whether you had that inner challenge as a photographer where you say, you know, I have to challenge the way that I'm thinking. I'm not thinking on a micro level or a macro level or a way uh, about personality or inanimate objects or, you know, what, what was that threshold that you had to pass through where you just had to challenge your, your method that I, I, yeah, I really appreciate that question a lot, Jason. And I have to say, I struggle with with staying in one lane. <laughs> I think I have the other the other problem. Um, but I um, 
I, I think very much in my methodology, I've always believed this, that it is, there is a, a concept that I'm trying to approach and what is the best way of approaching that concept. So rather than thinking about, I make these kinds of pictures, which I really, I don't like the word envy, but I really admire people that stick with one type of photography. Um, you know, Jocelyn, I was watching Sibs talk with Jocelyn and her portraits are just so beautiful and obvious that there's so much history in her making, right? That she's, that she's constantly uh, having this, this conversation with herself. I just don't work that way. I work in terms of idea and how, what's the best way to tell that, to make that idea happen. And um, I'm, I'm not a technical photographer at all. And so I learn technique based on how I want the pictures to look or what the object is that I'm gonna be working towards. So uh, in this work, it was originally an eight channel video installation that Sib showed the um, documentation of. And so I was very much thinking about cinema. And so when I first started making these pictures, they were all horizontal and I couldn't find a camera that worked. So I, I rejigged the camera. I used an analog lens on a digital back um, so that I would be able to get that cinematic quality that I wanted. Um, and yeah, so it was very, I'm very, I guess, pro I don't like to say I'm project oriented either because I want to throw that out out the window also. I, I recently was doing a, a podcast uh, with Brad Furhelm and he said to me, and I can't, I haven't, I don't know if it's in the podcast or if we spoke about it earlier, but he said, yeah, you know, I can't place you. And I was like, I know that is like the curse of my life because you can't place my work. And I think that it's like what I strive for, but also I think um, a struggle for me. So I hope well, that answers I would, your question. I would, call it, I would call it joyously porous. Ooh, <laughs> right you're, you're porous you're you're open to malleability and being swayed in different directions depending on what is needed at the moment yes and maybe great. that comes thank you I maybe that comes from my culture <laughs> my lack thereof you know maybe. not not feeling one way or another yeah um thank you for that question i appreciate it sure Is there another? I saw some questions come in the chat, but I don't know if I answered them or not. Deb's going to weigh in. Yeah, I think there was a question. Um, like, were you really the graphic designer of the book? Ultimately? No, right. Um, so Stuart Smith is the is the publisher of Ghost, and I feel so privileged to work with him. He's an amazing uh, person, and um, we had a great rapport. And so I went to him with a, a dummy um, that was very similar to the way that the book turned out, but he is um, a brilliant designer and taught me so much, and he basically took my ideas of what I wanted. I knew I wanted it to be full bleed. I knew I wanted it to be something that you could hold in your hand. I knew I wanted it to be hardcover and to have the um, Swiss binding where you could see the spine. That was really important conceptually for me. Um, but he stripped away whatever was not necessary and made everything that I wanted even more grand than I had in my mind. So, um, 
in a in a he's the designer, but he worked with what I wanted. So it was very much a collaboration between the two of us. Yeah. Open up for other ideas or questions. Um, Sue, when you had first mentioned the um, story about the photographer who held up his phone, we missed his last name, a number of us. Oh, John, John Stanmeyer. He's one of the founders of Seven Photo. And I'm pretty sure it was 2015 was the year that happened. Um, I think I'm curious, um, Stacy. I I really appreciate Jason's question as well. And um, that being someone um, who is not a soundbite and doesn't fit into categories, it's a challenge. Um, it's a lot easier to say I'm a, but that doesn't often happen. So um, I'm curious about because you do dabble in different mediums. And even if you're not, like let's say you're not making a video, you're making the book, but you're using your thought process and perception of movie uh, to bring to the book, right? So I am curious about how do you approach, do you approach the question and let it um, develop a form or are you aware of a form as you're going along? Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm aware of a form as I go along, but it does, it's not necessarily something that happens right away. Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, you know, I have not done an exhibition of just straight prints in a really long time. And so right now that's all I wanna do is do an exhibition of prints. And so uh, the work that I'm making now, I can envision it on a wall. I can envision it as large photographs. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think of it in terms of form and output. Um, I guess going back to Jason, how I answered Jason's question in that um, I'm always thinking about what's the best way to answer a question or to bring up a conversation not really answer a question. How do I, how do I raise a conversation? And so um, I guess the form comes in that, but it comes with the practice. So I'm practicing, I'm making, I'm writing, I'm thinking, I'm researching, I'm doing nothing, I'm sleeping, I'm, you know, all those things. And then watching Mad Men. Watching Mad Men. <laughs> uh, you know, I just watched White Lotus. So like the, the ocean in White Lotus is like this, you know, really strong motif. And so you know, I'm doing all of that while trying to figure out how am I going to answer, I don't like the word answer, I keep saying that, but how am I going to approach this conversation? And so I think it kind of all happens organically, but I mm -hmm. am thinking of a form because I'm thinking about what's the best way to approach a conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know um, as I introduce concept aware when I'm teaching it, I often say, I'm going to leave you with more questions than answers. And I'm okay with that. Like, I feel like that's actually my job is to um, instigate further exploration. Um, so I like your um, description, approach a conversation. 
Um, almost, you know, another way of thinking of it is consider a perspective or a, a perspective is not the word. It's really um, perception that I think you're really um, digging. I love in. that. Yeah. yeah. I love Mick, Vic Muniz's work and he's always talking about perception. So I guess maybe that is in there. I mean, my work's very different than his, but I, mm -hmm. uh, I saw him give a talk a long time ago and it definitely stuck with me, you know, perception and, and photography. And yeah, how do we, um, how do we picture that? And, and how do, I'm really interested in the viewer and how does the viewer experience the work? How do they, you know, perceive the work? Um, yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I wasn't thinking perceive as its own word, right? I kept thinking perception, but yeah. perceive is really uh, key to it. And I love that. Um, I mean, my role, I think, is to try to unpack the process and it's not easy and it's not linear. And, and I think one of the reasons why I so resonated with your work is that I I feel like I heard all the notes or not all, but I heard so many notes that you were trying to strike. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so curious about how you formed, because it is, frankly, it's an orchestration, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I can really, I can really see that. Um, I just was working with someone this week on an edit and sequence, and um, we we literally were we were <laughs> we were creating musical definitions like like legato or something with images, and we were referring to the images as notes. Mm, I definitely think that way often, and you need to like build up. Um, you know, the, to the crescendo. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I teach an editing and sequencing class through ICP and it's called Tempos and Tones. And oh, perfect. Yeah, there's a reason, you know, that it's all about music. Truly, it really, really is. That's so interesting. And it also, um, you know, these things all just keep um, rubbing up against each other. But the idea of the music um, and then cinema and, and image, like they all just keep talking to each other. It's really, really interesting. Um, and I don't think that maybe this will change, but that there is not a great deal of time given to the import of what one image does to the next, mm. that conversation. Um, I mean, at least I'm going to, say this from my experiences during um, things uh, and you're, I'm given 10 images and you need to bring me somewhere in those 10 images, the lyricism of that or the musical, it can be staccato, it can be uh, fortissimo. I don't care what it is you're giving me, but give it to me. Like don't start mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden the sound is gone. And that's literally what can happen in sequencing. Yeah, and think about it as a narrative, right? That mm -hmm. you're using those sounds to build narrative. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I also um, thinking about these images and something we've kind of talked around, but I do think about sound when I'm making photographs also. What, how can I picture the sound? So not only can I picture the, the, uh, the color uh, or the smells or the, but the sounds, you know, so yeah. And you know, this image that you have up on the screen, um, definitely you know, the eerie sounds of, of the forest, of this community of spider webs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because no, you did evoke senses and sound was definitely, definitely in there. Um, which does also, I think, reverberate when you're talking about the moving image and how you utilize sound there, but it's visualizing, like there's a name for that when, when people actually um cross their senses so like they taste a color or they hear um um you know uh a, a, they hear some their senses don't match with what we normally would say right like you taste a flavor they're like i see it flavor mm -hmm. or and it's there's a name for it i can't think of it right now um synesthesia synesthesia yes, yeah. yes 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 thank you thank you marcy um it's really hard to say isn't it synesthesia <laughs> yeah and um <laughs> and what's really interesting right people um felt i'm i know a actual photographer whose wife wrote a book on this a children's book trying to help kids accept each other with perception and how um there really wasn't room for that kind of you know that's not fitting in between the lines right it's like and where these kids felt like it came so naturally but they were not reflected and actually ended up being embarrassed or 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 covering what it is that they did naturally. And now here we are as artists talking about just how challenging it is to keep all those things going and conceptualize it and put it out there. So it's interesting that uh, our brains work in so many different ways. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, thank you so much for giving me that word that would have bugged me I figured it out. And Marcy, I don't know- Did you have a question? Yeah. I think Marcy might have. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. Mm -hmm. So um, I was just wondering when you have a body of work like this, which is very specific to talking about a certain question, how are you moving into your next project? And where is where is that taking you? I appreciate that question, Marcy. That is a scary place to be, is the in-between, between when you finished a project and are starting a new one. I was just having a conversation with a friend, Tema Stauffer, this morning about this idea of like what happens, you know, how, you know, when you're starting a project that there's so much exciting excitement, it's almost like the life, cy life cycle. So when you're starting a project, you're just giving birth to something or you're giving birth, you're growing it, you're nurturing it. And then you finish a project and it's like a morning, like I'm in the morning stage and, and then it's like, okay, now what am I going to do? So um, I am bringing this idea of the individual and the collective and landscape and I'm working in the forests and I'm, I'm thinking about the forest as a social community. So I guess that's really where I am, where that project is going to go. 
I don't know, but that's um, what I'm making at the moment. Yeah. And do you, when you have a project, you're starting like that, is there music that comes to mind initially or does that get added? Yeah. Later? yeah uh, it, again, everything kind of happens organically, but I have to, I'll, I'll, you know, give the, um, an example, um, you know, there was just the Jewish holidays and there is a song of Vinu Malkenu, which uh, is sang every day through, through the Jewish holidays. And I had forgotten about it. I didn't do much this year for it. And uh, a, an artist, Ann Vetter, she sang um, a Vinu Malkenu in a video. You have to check it out on her Instagram. It's so stunningly beautiful, haunting. And now I'm thinking, you know, Avinu Malkenu is a song that I'm going to be playing when I'm in the forest because it is so spiritual and so breathtaking and haunting and thinking about God Almighty. I'm not religious, so don't take this as like a religious thing, thinking, thinking of it as more of a spiritual um, thing. Um, and yeah, I do think about when I'm in the forest, I'm thinking about fairy tales. And so I'm, I'm thinking a lot about movies, fairy tale movies more so than sound. Um, I'm thinking about a book uh, that um, I uh, listened to, a book on tape, an Eden, Enid Blyton book read by uh, the actress whose name is now gonna go away from me. She was, she was everyone's gonna know her and I'm gonna be like, oh, of course. Um, she was the main actress in uh, Titanic. What's her name? Kate. Kate Winslet, she reads the Enid Blyton book, um, which is the magic faraway tree. Hmm. And uh, I listened to it. You can't get it in, in the States, I'm sorry. You can only get it in Australia or England. <laughs> but I listened to it with my children in the car on many road trips. And that is always in my head yeah. at the moment. So I think mm -hmm. it's, it's books, it's music, it's movies, it's, it's photographs of other people's photographs. It's um, inspiration really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Lovely. Um, Avinu Malkenu has so much repetition during the yeah. of the services. And it's interesting, like when you think of a forest with the repetition of tree trunks and branches that. Yeah. In there. Yeah. And that they're talking to each other because Avinu Malkenu has a callback too. you know, right. the, mm -hmm. the cantor sings and the crowd uh, chants back. And so you know, I'm thinking about that too, about a conversation between the trees. I, I feel like I sound like a crazy person, but this is really what I'm, <laughs> what I'm thinking about. No, actually, I think there's actually a lot of science to back you up and the idea, you know, of aspens being connected. And then yes. this other idea of trees imparting knowledge to trees. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm doing a lot of that research, reading um, Suzanne Simard. I'm like obsessed with her at the moment. Uh, she just published a book called Finding the Mother Tree. That's yes. something I'm reading. Yeah. Yes, so is my friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you made me think of, um, what is her name? Tempest, um, who writes, I mean, when I think about these kinds of things, I think of Annie Dillard. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her. I'm not, um, I'm writing it down. So Annie Dillard and um, is it Terry Tempest Williams? What is her name? I, uh, I have to fly over to Instagram and, and give you that. Um, really people talking about land 
uh, yes, Terry Tempest Williams. Um, and actually even um, Rebecca Solnit. Yeah. Does it too. Um, yeah. That kind of, um, you know, what's interesting. Oh my God. Okay. Here's a resource for you. I'm going way back and I love this book. It's called um, Women in Nature, The Roaring Inside Her by Susan Griffith. And she literally wrote it. This is, I don't know if she wrote it in the 70s, but she wrote it in two different fonts and wrote almost a collective consciousness from a male viewpoint and a female viewpoint. And wow. what you're talking about, when, when we just mentioned all those people, those are all women. And they're all talking about a relationship to earth. And we think of earth in the female. Yeah, interesting. thinking about that a lot. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. Um, I think that you speak to the idea that um, the reality that none of us are tied at all and everything is this fluid and it is really hard to hold that and how comfortable it is to try to nail something and us into a place or a space or an identity or a, an opinion or a whatever, right? Like we uh, we're in a very, very interesting time. I've always felt that in visual culture, but I think our whole culture is really, really at such an interesting place. Yes, it's a, I think it's at a difficult place and I hope that it shakes itself out. And, mm -hmm. and similar to this, these ideas that like, it's okay to be an individual and we should be proud of our individuality, but it's also okay to be part of a community and be part of a collective and to think that we're all, you know, uh, one big society. So mm -hmm. I, I, when I say that, I feel like, oh, come on, but I really, <laughs> really think that way. Mm -hmm. um, well, I know. mean, honestly, and we don't, we don't go into this, but this whole idea is if we don't think collectively, we won't manage individually. And, you know, we are in a very difficult time, but I think about change as necessitating that, necessitating this rawness. Um, you know, I, I'm a parent, I know you're a parent, I'd love to give my kids some sense of stability or, or even frame, but we just all live through something together that obviously no one has any handle on. And the fact is, we don't have that handle even when we thought we did, mm -hmm. but we're so resistant to accepting that reality. And mm -hmm. um, we're getting hit upside the head. Like what else do we need to, you know, go through to get it that, mm -hmm. you know, air doesn't have borders, uh, you know, viruses are living with us all the time. Like it's like mm -hmm. this expansion and yeah, I digress, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. I am so, so glad to, um, I've been introduced to you, to your work, and that you are a, um, in my mind, a soulmate in terms of being a joyous, porous mm -hmm. artist, um, speaking my language. So thank you. The thank feeling, you. Thank you. Sib. The feeling is absolutely mutual. It's been a pleasure <laughs> to get to know you. And I love, uh, you know, you're, everyone should check out all the other ones uh, that you mm -hmm. recorded previously. And the ones going forward, there's some wonderful artists, uh, and I look forward to it, even if it's just to watch the recordings. I think it's like it's really brilliant. I love this open yes. conversation, so thank, thank you, you for that. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's it, it's as I said to you, it's been 
every one of us, one of them is unscripted and um, that's part of the magic. And we just learned so much. Like it was really funny, the whole idea of me going like, okay, what about moon? Like there was just something about it that I had to. And then you had this entire specific story and I love that, right? It's like, <laughs> that's really fun. So thanks everyone for being on the journey to unpack it. And yeah, there is quite the lineup. I'm super excited. Um, I wish there were more hours in the week. I'd have more photo book, book groups, but there aren't. So it's hard to limit. Um, but thank you everyone who joined us and um, stay connected and reach out and be part of this community and yeah, expand, expand. And I was going to say, um, uh, Stacy, I would love to meet 